This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 432, coming to you on Tuesday, February 8th. And yeah, I'm your host, Elisa Deratola, and I am not here with my co-host, Michael Castillo, because the universe hates this podcast. I hope you guys don't, but it feels like the universe does sometimes. Um, So we are back this week to talk about, well, I am back this week to talk about Caleb Williams, signing day, all the stuff going down with Lincoln Riley and everything else going on around USC football. Uh, We apologize for not being there last week after the big news broke about uh, about Caleb Williams. Um, I got sick for about the 25th time in the last five months. Um, So hopefully my voice makes it through this episode. Uh, Sadly, my getting sick stopped us from recording on signing day like we had planned. And then, of course, because we cohabitate, uh, Michael got sick as well over the weekend his voice is still uh, not recovered well enough to do a podcast, so it's me flying solo today. Hope you guys don't mind. Uh, but there is a lot to talk about. There is uh, exciting things to talk about when it comes to, to USU football. It's a very exciting time to be a Trojan fan for once, and and the good times just keep rolling. And you know, there there was a few weeks there when um, you know maybe it was a little bit nervy. Maybe not because there was good news coming every day. It just wasn't the good news that everyone wanted to hear regarding Caleb Williams. And the longer that saga went on, the more sort of worrisome it felt. And there was the Wisconsin rumors and there was LSU rumors and there was, you know, Georgia and Oklahoma and a UCLA and all sorts of rumors that were out there about Caleb Williams. But last week he did indeed join the Trojans officially he is enrolled in classes. His social media is now showing off his uh, his apartment or dorm or wherever it looks almost looks like the Radisson or or one of those. I'm not sure where they have um, football players living on campus now, but uh, they have uh, the, he was showing off his his L.A. digs, um, doing all his NIL stuff, everything. The ball has completely moved on that one. No more need to worry about Caleb Williams. Uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time reacting to the news in in the way that we might have on Wednesday when it was still fresh uh, because it happened and it was a long, long time coming and it took forever to be official. And that was a strain. (laughs) That was not the funnest time. I mean, it was fun, though, because every little emoji uh, swarm on Twitter was fun. Uh, But it was also fun in a very nerve wracking uh, kind of way. So it's just good to have that out of the way to know that USC is settled at quarterback, to know that even though Jackson Dart has left for Ole Miss and really looking forward to see what he can do with Lane Kiffin there, uh, USC is going to be okay at the quarterback position. We don't have to spend a ton of time worrying back and forth about, well, what is USC going to do? Is it going to be Miller Moss? Uh, Is he going to be ready? Uh, Can USC get someone else in the transfer portal? Blah, 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 blah. There was always going to be something going on uh, with the, the quarterback situation if Caleb Williams didn't end up coming to USC, but he did. And so we don't really have to worry about that so much, except for the whole, like, well, what does USC do if he gets injured? But that's a, a question for another day for, uh, you know, an, another development. So for the time being, Caleb Williams is, is the USC football quarterback, and USC is in about as good a position as they could possibly hope to be for the 2022 season with Lincoln Riley as the head coach, with his quarterback in place. The the best part about that is just going to be that he can step right in in spring camp and, and not have to have the learning curve. He's already had a year of tutelage under Lincoln Riley. He already knows Lincoln Riley's system. And having the quarterback be already 
immersed in that system will help the entire offense speed up their their learning process. The growing pains that we would have expected to see in year one will still be there. I think that that's for sure. But the the quarterback being settled with someone who already knows what they're doing is already comfortable in the system and has already succeeded in the system makes it all just run that little bit smoother and uh, and should put USC's offense in a really really good spot going in to 2022. So I think there's there's plenty of reason to be very very excited over this particular move. All of the other transfers, um, having Mario Williams join Caleb Williams as well, that means that he has at least one face there that he's used to throwing to that he already has some chemistry with that he already has a rapport with and then he can sort of lean on that while building up the the relationship and on-field sort of connection with the rest of USC's receiving core which has been transformed by transfers and and by recruits and and all of that so it's going to be a new look offense but a better looking offense I think it's safe to say um, Lincoln Riley is not Graham Harrell. He is not T. Martin. He is not Clay Hilton. Uh, for the first time in a long time, USC has a coach who is a proven offensive mind. And USC hasn't had that since Sark and Kiffin. And even Sark and Kiffin, uh, Kiffin at the time, I think was undeniably strong on offense. I think Lincoln Riley is further ahead of where Sark was as a head coach, uh, further ahead of Sark was where Sark was as, a, as an offensive mind. Um, so when you look at expectations going into 2022, I think it's it's okay to start getting a little bit excited. It's okay to start looking at things and go, you know what, USC is not going to average 28 points a game this year. It, that's just not going to happen. Um, will USC average 40 points a game? Uh, you slow the roll a little bit there, uh, but I think that you're you look at it and you think this is going to be an offense that, if nothing else, is going to be fun to watch. I mean, I don't know how much of how much you guys tuned into Oklahoma games over this past fall or over the past few years of Lincoln Riley. They haven't always gone Oklahoma's way, that's for sure, but they've always been stupid entertaining. And part of that is because the defense hasn't always been there. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, throughout the offseason. But the offense is always there to play, and that should make it very, very fun. For USC fans, a nice change of pace because the offense has not been fun at all uh, for a couple years now. I think the funnest it ever was was uh, the November of 2019 when Keaton Slovis was a freshman and they just let him rip. And basically since then, it's just been an entire slog. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Caleb Williams can do, what he can bring. We know he's a top-notch quarterback prospect. We know he's a leader. We know he commands respect. Um, and I just think that he has the right mindset uh, to get uh, to get things going very quickly. So yes, get excited about Caleb Williams, get excited about this offense and uh, and now we get to sort of go into the the quieter part of the off season where we to spend a few weeks speculating, and we get to wait and see what comes of, of spring camp, and we get to start imagining what will happen in the fall. And you know, there were, I think, the certainly the last two three years, this period of time was full of well, I don't know. I I suppose it should get better. I suppose it could get better. I have questions, but. Uh, I'm I'm uncertain that I f- that I'm confident that USC can follow through with the things that I want them to follow through with, and uh, I think adding Lincoln Riley turns a lot of those questions on their head. I'm 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 supremely confident. Um, I don't. I'm going to have a lot of things to say this year about tempering expectations. Um, but when I talk about tempering expectations, it's not because I doubt Lincoln Riley. I just think you have to be fair to Lincoln Riley, and you have to be fair to these players. And you have to understand that it's a process. But if there's one thing I don't doubt, it's that Lincoln Riley is uh, an exceptional head coach um, that I I think USC's program is in really good hands with Lincoln Riley. And USC's program is in good hands with with Mike Bone and Brendan Sosna running the show. And USC's program is in good hands with the the, the people that are involved in the the athletics department right now. I just think they have uh, everything moving in the right direction. Every move they make feels intelligent or at least well thought out, understandable. Uh, so it should just be, it should be, be nice to let go for once and just say, you know what? I trust in the people who are running the show. And I remember when I was, um, when I was younger and all over like USC message boards and everything like that, 
during the Pete Carroll era, one of the things I always fell back on was, you know, in Pete, we trust it, it, things might not always go perfectly. He might not always have the, 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 the team exactly how we want it to be. But when it comes down to it, Pete Carroll is going to give you a minimum of, 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 of success, a minimum of production, a minimum of, of expectation and in Pete, you trust. And, and that's for pretty much the entirety of Pete Carroll's tenure at USC. Uh, that was something that you could fall back on and, and trust and know that, yeah, you're going to lose that home opener in the Pac-12, the home road opener in the Pac-12 every year. And that was predictable. But he's going to have that team playing outstanding in November and they're going to come to play in the bowl game and they're going to be competitive at all times. And that's something that I think has been eroded around USC, that feeling of confidence and and certainty. So I think Lincoln Riley gives you that. I think Caleb Williams gives you a certain amount of that on offense. And it should just be it should just be nice. It should be nice this offseason to be able to talk about things without couching it in. Well, I know it's Clay Helton or I know it's this or I know it's that. We don't have to couch things so much. The only couching I'm going to be really doing is just the idea of be fair, be fair and and don't run away with, don't let your imagination run away with itself and decide that suddenly USC is a playoff contender. USC is not a playoff contender for a lot of reasons. Um, I think USC is absolutely a Pac-12 contender, but you got to walk before you can crawl and you got to beat Utah before you can do any of that. So uh, that's one of the things that I want to talk about in this episode here is what does Caleb Williams coming to USC, what effect does it have on the 2022 season and our expectations for the 2022 season? I think before Caleb Williams, um, before USC even had a head coach, I believe I had to write a, a thing on fansided.com sort of predicting USC's 2022 season. And I figured at the time I had to be before Lincoln Riley happened because I remember thinking at the time, if it's Matt Campbell, um, if that's the coach that USC ends up with, how would I set this season expectations? And I went through the schedule and I think I came away with like eight and four, maybe seven and five on a, in a if you if you have a couple of tough moments um, and, you, and you look at it and you say, OK, Rice should win. Fresno State with a new head coach should win. Um, Washington State at home. Uh, Arizona, I don't know, Cal in Colorado, feeling okay. I think USC can get to seven or eight wins fairly confidently. And, uh, and, and then it just sort of is luck of the draw or how you turn up and play in Corvallis or how you turn up and play in Rice Eccles or uh, what ASU looks like and, and or what they don't look like. Uh, all of those things get factored in. When you add Caleb Williams, when you add Lincoln Riley, I think you're adding a win or two. Um, in year one, I think, I think Lincoln Riley assures you eight wins. I would just, I, I, I know that I'm going to be the one preaching, keep your expectations reasonable. I just can't imagine a Lincoln Riley offense, not scoring enough to get USC to, to eight wins in the eight wins in this 12 game schedule, the PAC 12 schedule that they play the out of conference schedule that they play. It sets up fairly favorable. And I think that, uh, you know, last year, USC, they averaged 28 points a game. And I don't think it's unreasonable to expect USC to be scoring 35 points a game. Now, the question of the 35, and this is something I'm going to we're going to get into as the season progresses, uh, as 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 we get closer to understanding what this actual roster is going to look like. The. um the question will be, if you average 35 points, what does that look like? Because averaging 35 points doesn't mean every single game you're scoring 35 points. It could mean against Rice and Fresno State, you score 50. And then against Stanford, you score 25 and you lose. So that is something that I think will be a fascinating thing to to uncover. Um, there were questions about Lincoln Riley's offense at Oklahoma and Oklahoma fans will tell you bitterly uh, that uh, that that he was starting to get found out by teams. But when you look at it, like being found out is sort of on a weird spectrum, you know. So they scored this past year. They scored 40 against Tulane, 76 against Western Carolina, 23 and 16 against Nebraska and, and West Virginia. But those were wins. 
So if they got found out there, the defense did their job too, and this was supposed to be a terrible defense. So clearly that was there was something in the air that day. Scored 37 against Kansas State, Texas 52, TCU 52, Kansas 35, Texas Tech 52. Uh, the only the only teams like even in the losses that they had, they scored 33 to Oklahoma State, beat Oregon 47 to 32, which obviously Lincoln Riley wasn't there, but beat Iowa State 28 to 21. So there are games where they dip below below 30. So it's not like they're scoring literally 35 points a game. But Baylor's really the only team that shut down this offense and and it resulted in a loss. Uh, they only got held under 20 points twice and they beat West Virginia despite it. But Baylor is the one that you circle and go, well, okay, does this good defense shut down Lincoln Riley's offense? That might be the case. That may very well be the case. Uh, but Baylor also had an absolutely elite defense this past year. They were an exceptional team on defense and they were, you know, that's that's not all that surprising. They also shut down Ole Miss. Um, they they also shut down um, Oklahoma State. Uh, they also shut down like Texas Tech and everybody they played pretty much uh, didn't really get a lot of a lot of success against that defense. So I'm not sure that's the surprise. The question for USC is if they have that game where an opposing defense, and I don't know who on USC schedule, name me who on USC schedule has has as good a defense as Baylor had last year. Um, Utah might have the closest thing to a, to the Baylor level defense. And I don't think they reach that level defense and they lose Devin Lloyd. They lose some, some important figures from that defense that got them to the Rose bowl. So, that's the one you'd circle, but the rest of the schedule bar Notre Dame, I'm not sure that there are any like stand out, you know, shut down, kill you defenses. So even if we're tempering things and saying, yeah, maybe Lincoln Riley can, his offense can get found out by a good defense, which by the way, every good offense gets found out by good defenses eventually. Um, and every good defense gets found out by a good offense eventually see Georgia against Alabama part one. But when you look at the schedule for USC, if that's going to be the case, if that's going to be a reality for the USC teams under Lincoln Riley, find me that defense on this schedule. Find me that defense more than twice on this schedule. I don't see it. I really don't. I think uh, Stanford is always a tough team physically um, that that I don't I don't want to discount. Um, Arizona State. I'm not even going to speculate because I don't know what that team. We don't even know who that head coach who that coach is going to be of that defense because their coaching staff has been completely ravaged. Um, Oregon State, uh, Washington State, Arizona, Cal, Colorado, UCLA. I mean, I just I just don't see those kinds of defenses. There could be defenses that give USC um, a time, that give them some hard work to do, but not the kind of defenses that are going to keep you to 15 points. I think the the goal of defenses on this on the schedule for USC is going to be to keep USC to what 24 25 I think that would be a good day against this defense and then you're looking at the at USC's defense and are those offenses going to be high powered enough to get one over on USC's defense and I think when you look at the offenses that could get one over on USC's defense there's more of them um we know that Stanford did it to USC last year they have a quarterback now we know that Oregon State uh, has a, a a strong offense um, under um, under Jonathan Smith. Uh, we know that Washington State's going to be an interesting offense, although they're rebuilding. We know Cam Rising is a special quarterback, and that Utah will bring the run game. Um, Arizona's intriguing. Don't have to worry about Cal unless something drastic changes. Don't have to worry about Colorado unless something drastic changes. And then UCLA and Notre Dame could always cer- certainly be um, teams that could take advantage of a of a down offensive game. But we're still talking about like a handful of games where USC will be vulnerable. And then you think like, okay, so in the worst case scenario, USC might be vulnerable to a situation in a handful of games. Now, will they lose all five or four of those games? Maybe if if their luck doesn't, you know, sometimes the bounce of the ball, sometimes turnover luck, all of those things play a factor in these things. But we're still talking about baseline of eight wins. I think worst case scenario, seven wins if things really go poorly, if there's an injury or two that are really critical and you change your sort of perspective on the season because of it, um, there are a couple guys who that would be the case. 
for USC. So we're still looking at a baseline of eight for me. And you add Caleb Williams to the mix. That, that was a baseline of eight when I'm looking at Lincoln Riley. You add Caleb Williams to the mix so you know for certain that you have a quarterback who is familiar with the system. That means the first four weeks of the season where I would have felt slightly vulnerable going to Stanford, going to Oregon State, feel less vulnerable because Caleb Williams probably good for a touchdown. A touchdown addition to whatever minimum I was expecting from Lincoln Riley's offense in those games. So instead of looking at it and say, well... You know, if if they manage to slow USC down, maybe going to score in the low 20s, we're looking at 30 points instead for USC because Caleb Williams is that level of quarterback because he knows the system, because he's familiar with the the plays, the play calling, the flow of the game, all of those things. We know what he can do because he did it at Oregon, at Oklahoma very well. So suddenly you're looking at that opening month of games and feeling like, okay, so Maybe USC loses to Stanford or Oregon State, but I'm not sure USC loses to both of Stanford and Oregon State if Caleb Williams is at the helm. And you look through the next stage of the season and you're like, okay, USC could lose. I, I'm going to put down, I think USC will use to lose to Utah at Rice-Eccles. I just, I always put that down. It's going to be a loss. But uh, do I feel better about playing Arizona State and Washington State at home? Yeah, I feel a lot better about those games. Do I feel better about the trap game that Arizona looks like to me right now? based on the way that Jed Fish has gotten that team playing competitively, even though they lose, and recruiting very well. He, I feel like he's building something at Arizona that could be that could turn that game into a trap game. Feeling a little better about that, too, because you are their defense is going to have that much harder time stopping someone like Caleb Williams. Um, and then at the end of the season, UCLA-Notre Dame, it's always a coin flip. I do, I do not know. I think those could be two losses. I think they could be two wins. Split the series, split the 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 two. I don't know. You never know with rivalry games, but you're looking at it and suddenly it's like, okay, you have a baseline of eight. You add Caleb Williams, and I'm willing to say your baseline might turn into nine if things go your way. Uh, and then is ten capable? Is USC capable of ten? Yeah, I think USC is capable of ten and a ten and two season. When I say USC is capable of a ten and two season. That's assuming USC is going to lose to Utah and that USC is going to lose to someone else, probably Notre Dame, maybe UCLA, maybe it's Stanford early, maybe it's Oregon State at Corvallis, you don't know. But 10-2 and is, I think, the upper end of what to expect from this USC team because you're going to have your handful of, these are games USC could lose, I'm going to call them Utah, UCLA, and Notre Dame, that it's not a 50-50 shot. It's probably less than 50-50 shot uh, across the three that USC will lose at least one of those three. And then you always account for, well, you know, crap happens. You never know. Maybe you lose to Arizona because crap happens. Maybe you lose to Stanford because crap happens. You know, you you can't. Pete Carroll always lost that uh, that road opener, uh, road Pac-12 opener, because it just happened. It, it, it didn't make any rhyme or reason Sometimes the the scenario on the paper, a lot of times the scenario on the paper doesn't follow through in, in the way that a game plays out. So you have to accept that there is a potential second loss there, and that's your sort of high ceiling is 10-2. and two. So I think Caleb Williams, to sum all that up, with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley, I think that USC's baseline is 8-4. and four. I will be surprised if USC has a worse record than 8-4. and four. I think... If Caleb Williams does what I expect Caleb Williams to do, I would I would be comfortable putting USC's baseline at nine and three. I think nine and three feels safe to predict with regard to expectations of what the offense is going to do, understanding of what the, the the defensive deficiencies that this team needs to work through, and also what the schedule looks like, and also accounting for stuff happens. Right. So I think nine and three is a safe bet. I think 10 and 2 is the ceiling. I think 11 and 1 is exceeding all expectations and 12 and 0 is not impossible, but also don't bank don't bank anything on 12 and 0. You just you just that's it's just too early to say any of that. But I mean the the, the gist of this is there's there's so much to be excited for this coming season. And and I feel like every year when we look at the schedule, you know, last year we looked at the schedule and said that USC should go eight and four, nine and three. 
And I never want it to be a cop out eight and four, nine and three when we talk about it, because I feel like we always settle around that range. But there's a reason that you tend to always like most teams that are decent, but not great, go eight and four, nine and three. Like that's that's the the range of college football teams. You look at top 25 rankings, you have the sort of elites that are you know one or two loss. And then you have the the just big swath of three loss, four loss, five loss teams in the, in the top 25. So that's always going to be where you're going to fall, fall back to. But I think that you look at the schedule, you look at the expectations that you, that you could have eight and four, nine and three. I think that could be a really, really fun season as a, as a starting point. Uh, I think that's a, a, a much more, um, bold starting point than you would even that I would even feel comfortable giving to any head coach that was going to come in and 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 take their t- take their first stab at this job. You know, I always point back to to Pete Carroll's first season was a lot of growing pains and losses, uh especially early losses, but the thing that got people excited was that the team started to get noticeably better as the as the season went on. And 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 that sort of built up some momentum for 20 for 2002. So I would like to look at the 2022 season as a momentum driver for 2023. But it's hard to not get excited when you look at the schedule and you don't see a lot of terrible hurdles when you see Arizona State being the shambles that they are. Uh, When you look at Stanford and Oregon State, those look like good teams potentially, but they're not ever a certainty. Dangerous teams, for sure. Tricky teams to beat, for sure. Unbeatable? No, I don't see a single definite loss on this schedule, with probably the exception of Utah. And that's more about Rice Eccles than anything. I have great respect for what Utah did this past season. I don't know that they're going to be able to repeat it. It's tough to do that, um, to have that sort of drive and that the togetherness that Utah found this year, uh, this past year. But when USC plays at Rice-Eccles, I just don't assume the USC is going to get a win at Rice-Eccles. So that's like the only one that I look at and go like, yeah, that's that's certain. That's that's pretty certain. The rest, it's it's partly about what USC schedule look like looks like and less about what USC looks like. Like, I think that Cal and Colorado, there's just not a lot to get excited about. Washington State could be interesting, I suppose. But who knows if if they're going to be able to to tap into the positive things that they were able to build on on the end of the of this last year UCLA under Chip Kelly I mean they've gotten better have they gotten better enough to justify him getting an extension uh I don't know but they've gotten better so you can't count them out but um I don't know I don't know I look at it and just think yeah this should be a fun schedule to go through and there will be hiccups and there will be hurdles and there will be growing pains but it should be a nice change from this past season when every game felt like, well, here we go. This is not going to be fun and it's going to be painful and we're going to see how this plays out. So that's exciting. That my, my big long 20 minute rant here is just like, this is exciting, isn't it, guys? Caleb Williams is going to be really fun to watch in this offense. Uh, he's the mobile quarterback that USC hasn't had in a long while. Uh, he's going to be playing in an offensive system that we know is exciting because I've watched Oklahoma over the last few years and it's been fun to watch them play football on offense, at least uh, and the, and the defense we'll deal with later. The, <laughs> the defense will be better than it was this past year. That much I can say, I can't say how much better they will be. So that's the, the wild card here in this, uh, in this schedule. But that's not the only thing about Caleb Williams that I wanted to talk about uh, NIL stuff. There was a lot of talk during his recruitment, as a uh, transfer portal product that um, had to do with NIL and what kind of NIL deals could he get? What kind of um, opportunities could he find at different programs uh, to make some money? And we already see straight away, he's got a beat deal. He's out there with his beats headphones and uh, making, making, making some dough, which good for him. I'm glad to see him getting that opportunity. Um, I think the, one of the more interesting things that have come out this past week is that he's becoming a, a part owner for the this grooming company. Um, I oh I didn't write it down the the company that uh, that he's going to be part of. Um, what he's going to be a part owner of, which uh, is is 
interesting because he was uh, his mom, I guess, is isn't does nails is is a is in sort of the beauty uh, industry. And so he has sort of gotten into nail art in his uh, in his time. And he was known for painting his nails at Oklahoma. And it was, um, you know, something you don't always see every day. I think there was I saw a picture of um, his nails with like the horns down kind of deal. And um, and that was, uh, you know, just something that he did to express himself at uh at at oklahoma and you know i love um i love the idea of an athlete who owns who they are and um sort of doesn't care about what uh oh sorry it's called faculty faculty is the brand that he's uh investing in um but a player that sort of owns who they are and doesn't care what other people think and sort of keeps his eyes on the prize. And one thing that I think really ingratiated Caleb Williams to me was this release for his uh, th- this new nail polish uh, brand that they're that they're releasing, or, or I guess nail art um, brand that they're releasing. Uh, is this quote from him that uh, that says, "You know, some people love it, some people hate it." Either way, I don't really care. I've never been one to care much about what people have to say or think about me. I just do as I feel, and if people like it, great. If they don't, whatever. I feel like everyone should express themselves however they choose. If me painting my nails, playing football, helps some people feel more comfortable in expressing themselves, then great. And I just love that idea of I'm going to be me, and I'm going to own me, and you know what? There are you might You might not be into this. You don't have to be into nail art. Um, but there might be someone out there who, who is, there might be, um, you know, young boys out there who are interested in in nail art and aren't sure how they will be perceived because of it. Um, gender stereotypes and sexuality stereotypes and all of that kind of stuff. And yet here's this dude who is one of the best football players in the country who is sponsored by beats, who is, uh, you know, destined for the NFL who wears nail polish loud and proud and doesn't give a crap what anyone else thinks and feels like he can be himself and recognizes that him being himself can have an impact on other people and that can help other people be more confident in what they want to do and what they want to look like and and who they want to be. And I think that's just really beautiful. And I, and I like that he recognizes that. I like that he owns himself uh, in that way. Um, and, uh, and I just think that it's cool to have somebody part of the program who is able to articulate themselves in that way. Um, the, the, I think just the recognition that him being confident in himself can rub off on other people in a, in a, in a positive way, uh, is, uh, is, is, is just a great example of, uh, of, of the power that athletes can have. And, and hopefully he continues to sort of operate that way and, and understands that, um, He's going to do what he wants to do and hopefully he continues to be a good role model for people in, in that sense. So yeah, I, I just really enjoyed that from, from Caleb Williams and uh, I think it's a good sign from him. I think it's something that, uh, that most people can get behind and uh, if you can't get behind it, then I don't know. I don't need you to like painting, painting your nails, but I think there's something to be said for, letting people be who they are and express themselves in the ways that they want to express themselves and not judge them or, um, or belittle them or, uh, you know, make them feel lesser because of it. Um, so, you know, just let people be who they're going to be. And it's a good message, good message. And I'm glad that Caleb is, is able to start spark that conversation with this whole thing. So that's cool. Uh, long may these athletes continue to, um, a get to profit off their name, image, and likeness, like they should have been able to for a long time, and B recognize the responsibility that that holds, because you are now a a name, image, and likeness figure. You are now someone who is going to be presented as you know Beats wants you to be the face of their of their headphones. So live up to that too in 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 every different way. So that's cool. Um, good on Caleb, and uh, and yeah. We'll see how this all progresses with 
more NIL deals and more opportunities for people to uh, to get a cut of the pie. Because, you know, my opinion, they deserve it. They they earn it. Okay, now on to less of, well, Caleb Williams still factors into this, but let's move on to Lincoln Riley. Let's move on to Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma fans who are absolutely insane. Um, yeah, so I, whew, I feel like once a week I say something on Twitter and once a week it gets picked up by, um, I don't know, by Oklahoma Twitter and they go absolutely wild with accusations around Lincoln Riley being a snake and tanking in 2021 to try and get out of Oklahoma because apparently he had to lose games in order to justify leaving Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know the the logic behind it is, is, is just truly and utterly insane. Um, I feel bad for Oklahoma fans in the way that you pity somebody who just clearly has lost their mind and doesn't have any sense of anything anymore. Um, it's, it's weird. But Lincoln Riley was on Colin Cowherd, and he was talking to Colin Cowherd on Tuesday morning, and uh, he had the quote, um, we didn't take players from Oklahoma, we took players from the transfer portal. Those families and the players had to make a decision to stay at that university or to enter the portal where they could be recruited by anybody. Yes, yes. Can we just put this whole, like, USC stole Oklahoma players thing to bed? Okay, just put it to bed. USC got three players from Oklahoma in the transfer portal. USC got two players from Colorado in the transfer portal. USC has gotten players, multiple Colorado players in the transfer portal of the last two years. USC took the starting running back from Oregon in the transfer portal. USC took Stanford's second leading running back from the transfer portal. Um, USC took a Virginia off starting offensive tackle from the transfer portal. Uh, the transfer portal is a is a fair game situation and players are going everywhere. It's not like nobody uses the transfer portal and then Lincoln Riley left for USC and then suddenly there was a flood of transfers and like, it's like, oh my gosh, no one transfers these days. This is shocking. No, everybody transfers these days. Transfers go in and out, left and right, all over the place. USC isn't even like three players from one school. USC got that many from Texas last year. Like it, it just th- this this idea that like Lincoln Riley is poaching from Oklahoma is just uh, just it just it's sad it's unhinged it's crazy. I don't think Oklahoma fans need to like Lincoln Riley. They're fine to dislike Lincoln Riley for leaving them. I don't have any problem with that. Just don't spread this this insanity that it's like it's the way he left. Well, okay, yeah, you don't have to like that he left, but don't try to shroud it and it's the way he left. No, just own up to it. You are mad that he left you. It didn't matter how he was going to leave you. It didn't matter whether or not he stood up on September 1st and said, Hey guys, I'm going to leave Oklahoma. You guys would run him out of town, by the way, if he had done that. But like, just, just own it. Just own it. You're mad. He left. That's fine. I was disappointed that Pete Carroll left USC. He went to the Seahawks. I was disappointed. I still rooted for the Seahawks. But, like, I was disappointed. I'm disappointed that Dylan McCullough is at Notre Dame now. I think that's a hell of a hire for them to get Dylan McCullough. And I'm very sad that he's there now because I respect him greatly as a head coach. I was sad when he left for the Chiefs. It sucks. Um, you know, like, there's a million different things that happen in, in college football. And it sucks. But, like, Notre Dame had Brian Kelly leave them in the middle of a recruiting visit Brian Kelly was at a recruit's house when he left. He got the call that he was going to be hired by LSU and left. Like, that is that not, I'm not going to say it's even better or worse because who the hell cares? But like, is that not worse than Lincoln Riley after the season is over, talking to USC and then jumping on a plane and getting there on Monday morning, on, on Sunday morning? Like, What? Like what? Like like the way he left, the way he left by 
quickly turning around and settling a deal with USC? Like, would you rather it dragged on for months? Would you rather it be Jim Harbaugh and your signing day losing coaches because he's interviewing with the Minnesota Vikings? Like, what would have been the right way for Lincoln Riley to leave? No, it's not about how he left. It's that he left. And that's fine. You don't have to like him. But, like, stop acting like he's some, like, scumbag. Like, he's just a dude who took a new job. Like, everyone does that. Brian Kelly was a dude who took a new job. I, I Maybe I'm not as intertwined on Notre Dame Twitter, but I don't see, see the same level of Notre Dame fans flooding LSU fans with, with uh, commentary on how Brian Kelly sucks. When, like, Notre Dame is happy because they promoted Martin Freeman and people are excited about that. And, like, Oklahoma should be rightfully very excited about Brent Venables. That's a hell of a hire to get Brent Venables. So, like, let Brent Venables be. Let Lincoln Riley be. It's okay. It's okay. Like, ah, yikes. Yikes. And I, and I don't want to spend a lot of time, like, talking about Oklahoma, but it's just, like, every week I have to spend a day muting conversations on my Twitter because people are in this pissing con contest about Los Angeles and Norman. And it's like, I mean, the governor is talking about, wow, well, why would you leave Norman for Los Angeles? Like, I don't know. Millions of people do it all the time. Leave places where they are and go somewhere else. Like, and it's not an, an affront to that city all the time. Like, it can just be you wanted that other job. You wanted a change of pace. I don't know. I don't know. I just... <sighs> it's, it's, it's asking too much to ask people to be reasonable. USC fans aren't reasonable at a lot of things either. Like I spent the last few years t talking about being reasonable about Clay Hilton and how, guess what? He is a genuinely decent man. He's just not that good of a football coach. And you know what? That sucks to be a USC fan, but also like he doesn't have this conspiracy to bring down USC. Carol Folt does not have this conspiracy to bring down USC football. Like these are just humans who are acting in their spheres the way that humans act with the same motivations that most humans do. And in Clay Helton's case, I don't think any question about his motivations can be put out there because he just seems like a genuinely decent human being. And everyone who knows him says he's a genuinely decent human being and just let him be a genuinely decent human being who's bad at his job. Like that's fine. Um, so I'm not trying to go holier than thou because USC fans had some insanity going on in this in this program for a couple of years too, just utter and complete off the wallness. So it's not a unique to Oklahoma fans. I don't imagine for a second that it's unique to Oklahoma fans. It's just like I really just want. I I begged the USC fans at the time just calm down and just accept the reality of what the situation is, and that you don't have to turn it into something scary or or dangerous or like nefarious in order to understand what's going on like it's the same deal with Lincoln Riley like it doesn't have to be nefarious it can just be as simple as man had job man wanted different job in different city man took new job in different city let man be happy sorry like I just don't know is, is that unreasonable I feel like that's not unreasonable but apparently in sports it is because I see it everywhere in sports so Sports fans, get your crap together. It's going to be okay. Like, calm down. Jeez. Okay, uh, a few things to wrap up on because um, I got to go soon. Josh Connerly is still waiting to sign. Signing day for USC was pretty quiet because um, mostly transfers were the, the focus for this, this January. So uh, the only one that USC is really waiting on is Josh Connerly. So we'll see what he decides to do. It was big, 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 big deal for USC to get Josh Connerly. That one is the last big domino for USC to fall in terms of recruiting. Um, it would be huge if USC got him. It would suck if USC didn't get him. So that's one to watch. Uh, on Tuesday morning, USC uh, reportedly, according to Pete Thamel, uh, is on the verge of hiring Weston Zernickel? Zernickel? Zernickel. Um from Ohio State. He was their assistant director of player personnel. Looks like he's going to come to USC as the assistant director of player personnel. Lateral move from Ohio State to USC. Yes, that is what you like to see. Again, man has job. Man sees other job. Man wants to move to other other place. Man moves to other place. Let's see what he does. Um, good luck to uh, Weston Janekel. Like picking up personnel people from big programs like Ohio State. It shows you're looking in the right places. 
Okay. Um, one last sip of water, and then I have thoughts on the Super Bowl. Okay. Super Bowl. Off topic slightly, but also not, because um, it's been really interesting this week with the Rams and the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And my job now, I was having this conversation with um, some other people that it was weird because when I was covering USC alone, a lot of times I wanted to escape sports in general because I was so tired of USC all the time. Um, so I would spend more time playing video games, um, consuming video game content on YouTube, consuming F1 content, consuming, um, you know, uh, books, movies, TV, all of that kind of stuff to sort of get away from the broader sports world um, that I didn't necessarily have a lot of time for. And now my job is to be part of the broader sports world and um, be in embedded in NFL, M NBA, MLB, NCAA football, um, college basketball. Uh, I'm even putting together the, the we're doing Formula One content now, all of these things. So like I'm embedded in all of these sports that I had sort of not followed closely for the last few years. And so it's been it's been interesting watching the playoffs. The playoffs this year were magnificent. Jeez, I'm so glad I got to be part of um, that playoff weekend, the uh, the divisional round, because that was that was just two of the most joyful, ridiculous, exciting days of football that I've I've ever watched as a sports fan with no um, no, no uh, dog in any of those fights. I was just there for the love of the game, which is really, really nice. And um, I just want to say for the Super Bowl, uh, good luck to all of the Rams fans. Good luck to all of the Bengals fans. One thing that I've become really in touch with is the idea that like sports are beautiful. Sports are fun. And I just railed against sports fans being psycho. But like part of the the flip side of like sports being sports fans being psycho sometimes, the flip side of it is just sports being incredible and like fun and engaging and things they divide us but they also unite us they're they're a huge like dichotomy situation going on there but like sports are really really fun and it's really really fun even when you're not a fan of a team to put yourself in the shoes of of players from like uh, i mean of fans from another team so like i'm not a rams fan uh i grew up more or less as a, a chargers fan because i was a huge ladanian tomlinson fan um I, I can't say that I'm a Chargers fan at this point because I'm not a, a I'm I don't follow anyone particularly in, in the NFL except for USC players. Um, so I'm just not a Rams fan, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy the Rams doing well and seeing, you know, Dave in Orange County and, and Darlene, uh, the long, long time robots just and others getting super excited and going to all these games and being able to get pictures from SoFi and all of this sort of wrapped of excitement and then you're on Twitter and you see the Bengals fans like getting all hyped up and just see the excitement that's going on in in that part of the world and and um getting excited about like these big things and then being part of the the college football um lead up to the national title game and getting to see Alabama and Georgia fans all getting hyped up and all this kind of stuff and it's like this is what makes sports great I'm excited for the Rams to get their chance I'm excited for the Bengals to get their chance I'm excited for both of those fan bases to enjoy themselves as much as possible over the next week. And we'll see who comes out on top. Um, personally, I think the Rams will win. Um, no, personally, I think the Rams should win. I have a gut feeling that the Bengals will. So that's where I'm at as far as my own personal predictions. But um, really what it comes down to is like, if you are a USC fan immersed in USC fan in, in USC stuff, I would almost like recommend you and you're not a Rams fan or you're not a whatever fan. Like, I would almost recommend just, like, take a moment, take a day to just, like, look at fan, like, watch the videos of, like, the Chiefs fans getting sprayed with champagne. I know people didn't like Brittany Matthews for that, but whatever. Like, watch the videos of Chiefs fans celebrating that win over the Bills. Watch the 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 stuff of Bengals fans and, and Rams fans getting excited about this game and just sort of, like, project a few years down the line. Like, could that be USC fans again? Like, that was USC fans you know, a decade or two or two ago, like the USC fans were like in it and it's super exciting. And I've said this about Liverpool before, like it was really fun watching the Liverpool Champions League parade because it was like that kind of level of excitement. Like I want that for USC and I like I need that for USC and I need that for the USC fan base. And I'm really hopeful suddenly of that, like of that being there. But like just sometimes it's good to have a reminder that like sports are really fun. Sports are meant to be fun. Sports are meant to be excited. 
exciting. And if you're not getting that kind of fun excitement or whatever, like sometimes you might want to just tap into other fan bases to see what it's supposed to feel like and remind yourself that like it's a game and we're supposed to just enjoy it. And uh, I think that um, doing that at the start of this year and then going into the 2022 season for USC and just sort of like realizing, yeah, we can have fun now. We can have fun again. We can get it, get behind a team and a coach and a player and, and just go, go for broke and just get stoked and hyped and all those kinds of things. Like I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm excited for the Super Bowl, even though I have no piece of that pie. I'm excited for all of the seasons that are coming up because they just keep reminding me of like, that could be USC in a year or two. And that's exciting. So yeah, that's my thoughts on the Super Bowl. Um, enjoy it. All the Rams fans out there, probably more Rams fan than, than Bengals fans on the, on this, uh, in this podcast listenership, but also good luck to the Bengals fans. I like the Bengals going back to Carson Palmer. I like the Bengals. So, Ooh, okay. 50 minutes. Yikes. My voice made it. This is exciting. I didn't have any coughing fits. Thank you. Water. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Rainer Troy radio. Thank you guys all for listening to me ramble again and again and again. Hope you guys enjoyed my thoughts on Caleb Williams and all the other stuff that's going on. We will be back next week, hopefully with a more normal episode with me and Michael. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be more uh, off-season content because that's where we're in. We're in the full-blown off-season. Signing day is over. Uh, Transfers are done until spring camp, essentially. Uh, And uh, we're just going to maybe, you know, get loose a little here and find something else to talk about. So thank you guys. As always, um, you guys can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Troy. RainerTroy.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Overcast, Omni Studios, uh, wherever it is that you get your podcast, we should be there. Be sure to leave us a review, particularly on Apple Podcasts. Um, It really, really helps the show. If you leave a five-star review, leave some written comments, we'll read them on the show. Um, Basically, it helps other people find us as well. Uh, And also, this is just like a random thing that uh, that came up a couple weeks ago, and I haven't had a chance to talk about it on the podcast yet, uh, if you guys are still listening in. Um, it got brought up on uh, on the Peristyle, apparently, that um, got sent to us, that uh, people talk about like liking the show, but they hate that we talk about soccer. And I tweeted, like, guys, I swear to God, I swear we stopped talking about soccer like years ago. We might still talk about F1 at the end of episodes, um, might still talk about curling, curling i have not yet watched the mixed doubles final yet so i do not know who won gold but i am now a huge fan of the italian team stefania constantini is the baddest ass badass woman that i've ever seen in sports um as a curler i love her so much and uh yeah i'm super into curling but we don't talk about those things at the front we talk about them at the back um we try to keep things as usc centric as possible so if you have friends or family or people that you know who stopped listening to, to us years ago because of that or for any other reason, you know, tell them to give us a shot again. Uh, tell us to to hear what we're all about now and, and sort of get excited about this coming USC season. Because uh, if you're not going to get excited about USC football now, then when will you? So again, thanks, guys. You guys know where to find us. Uh, phone number 213-373-1USC. Leave a call on a rant line. Leave questions. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, uh, Slack people, hit us up on Slack, uh, all of that for questions for a mailbag, and uh, we will always answer those questions. So, yeah, that's going to do it for me. Thank you, as always. Again, I think I've said thank you 50 times now. That's fine. Uh, that's it. Okay. Take care. Bye. See ya. See ya.